Carter Conlon from the historic Times Square Church in New York City. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you've been walking with him for many, many years or you're brand new to the faith in Christ, it should be the pursuit of your heart to say, God, I want to know what you want my life to be. Thanks for being with us for A Call to the Nation with Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. Today, Carter takes us to Psalm 40 with a message titled, Finding God's Will for Your Life. You'll discover God's common will commanded by Jesus Christ and how to trust the Holy Spirit to make you the person God wants you to be. We should always live with a thankful heart. Let's find out more as we join Carter now. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you've been walking with him for many, many years or you're brand new to the faith in Christ, it should be the pursuit of your heart to say, God, I want to know what you want my life to be. I want to walk with you all of my days. You promised that in Christ I am a new creation. So I want this new life that you said belongs to me. I want to know what it is. I want to begin to walk in it. In Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8, The psalm is David, a man after God's heart. It's not like he was perfect. He obviously made some mistakes along the way, but he had this inherent nature in his heart to say, God, I want you. I want your will. I want your ways. And even if I've gone off on a crooked path, I want you to bring me back to a a straight path again. I want to be the person that you created me to be. Is there anybody here you feel in your heart that life has something more for you than you're living right now? You see, God planted that there. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the presence of God's Holy Spirit within your life. And because of that, there's, God is constantly whispering. As a matter of fact, the scripture says the Spirit of God is groaning within you, that you and I would come into an agreement with him as to what is the divine purpose of each one of our lives. David says in Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8, Then said I, Behold, I come. Matter of fact, I could give an altar call right now. We're going to finish with that verse when I'm done speaking. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. What is written of you in in the records of God? Can it be said in my heart and in your heart, God, I delight to do your will, even when his will is not delightful? There are some things that God asks us to do that are far from delightful. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes it even produces a revulsion in our own spirit. But there has to be something that overrides that revulsion within us. And we say, God, I delight to do your will. I'm putting a higher law over the law of my own heart. For example, the Bible tells us to forgive our enemies. That's a tough thing to do. I know there are people here that think people have done things to you, said things to you that may be past or present or maybe in the future, but the Lord tells us to forgive as we are forgiven. And that is the will of God. It's not a delightful thing to do that. It's a difficult thing to do that. So we have to want to do the will of God more than the will of our own hearts. And your law is written within my heart. Now this is the testimony of every one of us who have yielded our future into the hands of God. When I came to Christ, I was told by the man who led me to the Lord that if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. 
The old things in his life are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And I remember thinking, is that possible? Can the things in my life actually change? Can I be a different person than the person that I am? The, the things that I try to change in my own strength, I find I can't change. I'm just getting worse. Paul the Apostle talks about that at length in Romans chapter 6 to Romans chapter 8. I want to change. I know what to do. I know what it is. I know I should be a good husband. I know I should be a good father. I know I should be truthful in all things. I know I should be a good person. And I want to in my heart, but I don't know where the power comes from to do these things. But the day that I receive Christ as my Savior, as with you, the Holy Spirit now, come, the power of God comes to take up residence inside of each one of our lives. God begins to speak to us through his word, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, the old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. We are born again by the Spirit of God. We become the person that God intended us to be, and we start walking in the way that God intended us to walk. Acknowledging that once we belong to God through Christ, we're set apart and we're called to a journey where Jesus himself will glorify his own name in and through each one of us. Father, glorify thyself. But I still have that cry in my heart, God, I, I'm not done yet. There's something that you want to do. It's, it's a whisper in my heart. I don't fully know what it is, but oh God, not my will, but thine be done. Now it's assumed that being a follower of Jesus Christ that you now want his will and his way to govern your future. In Luke chapter 6, in verse 46, now Jesus is speaking to a lot of people that are following him because for various reasons. They're following him because Demonic powers are being broken. Bread is being manufactured out of nothing. People are feeling hope for their future. But now he starts to say to the crowd and to his own disciples some things that are hard to hear. He says, love your enemies and do good to those that hate you. <laughs> That's hard. That's hard to do. I've had to battle with that. I know you've had. Don't Please don't give me your sanctified look. You know how hard it is to do good to those who hate you. The person across the hall, you don't have to go any farther than that. If you live in an apartment building, there's a person who hates you right across the hall. You know, and God says, take them a cake. And you say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to do good to those who hate me. How about this one? Bless those who curse you. Curse you. Bless them. Do something good for them. Bring them flowers. Do something nice to them. And pray for those who despitefully use you. Now, I'm not talking about pray that they get run over by a bus. Pray that... God will bless them, change them, help them. Whoever strikes you on the one cheek, offer him the other. I'm not good at that. I don't know, but I'm not very good at that. I have a one-strike law in my, that goes on in my heart. How about this in verse 30 of Luke 6? Give to everyone who asks of you. If somebody needs something and, and you have it within your means to help, don't turn away. Verse 37 says, don't judge and you shall not be judged. That's a tough one. And then he finishes it by saying, forgive and you shall be forgiven. Then he turns to the crowd and he says these words in verse 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? You know, a lot of people follow Jesus Christ for various reasons, a lot of different reasons, but not necessarily to follow him in obedience to the things that he speaks into their heart. 
I love it because some would say because he gives me a sense of peace. He gives me a sense of well-being. I, I, I mean, who wouldn't want uh, an assurance that when we die, heaven is going to be our home? There are various, various reasons that people follow God. But is it written in the book of God, Lord, I delight to do your will, and your law is written within my heart? The writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 6 is speaking to people of his time who have a tendency to, to embrace, I guess, wholeheartedly an, under, uh, an initial relationship with the Son of God, but then they choose to back away. They say, no, I like the old ways better. I like my old life better. I like the old ways of doing things. What's so wrong with going out to a club on Saturday night anyway? I'll be in church on Sunday morning, and such like. And they draw back into this old way and... and, and the writer of Hebrews is, is, is cautioning the people, said, don't, don't play games with the Holy God. He has stretched out his hand and he's offered us eternal life. He's offered us an abundant life in this world, but don't play games with that. There's a danger in that. And the writer says, but beloved, in Hebrews 6, 9, we're confident of better things of you, yes, things that accompany salvation. And I am personally confident today that many who are here listening to the sound of my voice, you, you want most of all, to do his will. It's a desire in your heart as a new believer in Christ or as somebody who's walked with God for a season. I want to do the will of God. That was the cry of my heart as a, as a young believer way back in 1978. A lot of you weren't even born then. And I remember I would open the word of God and I would say, God, this is, this is my future. This is the way you ask me to think about things, including marriage and friendship and what is right and what is wrong. It's all written inside your word. And I, I would pray, God, help me to understand your word and help me to obey it when you speak to me. So this is where I want to talk about the will of God in, in, in two contexts. And these are my definitions. But there is, number one, there's a common will of God. That will of God that is, is clearly revealed, it's spoken in the scriptures, it's available and commanded, may I say, of everyone who calls themselves by the name of Jesus Christ. The common will is, is clear. You, you have to study the Word of God. Paul the Apostle says to Timothy, his disciple, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, he says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Actually, I like the original King James better. It says, study, study the word of God. Study to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, it means a worker who will not be triumphed over in this life. A worker who will not start out one way and, and not finish the things that he's begun to build. And the word of God tells us clearly as we begin to study the word of God, like you see, you, you can't grow in grace and without studying the Word of God. A lot of people trying to walk with God based on emotions. That's a great thing. Thank God for emotions. I had, a, I had a surge of emotion today during the worship. I love those songs. You are the strength of my life. You're the source of my strength. You're the, you're the strength of my life. I, I just love the words. I love to worship God. I love the fellowship of God's saints. I love the way I felt when I walked into the sanctuary looking at a lot of old faces and a lot of new faces in the house of God. I just, I just love being in the house of God among God's people, but that itself will not keep me. Fellowship is not going to keep me. Fellowship is a great thing. Worship is, alone is not going to keep me. I have to get into the Word of God, and I have to study the Word of God because this is where I'm going to learn 
the will of God for my life. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll just give you a couple of things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for my marriage. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the house that I live in. Thank you for New York City. Thank you, God, for my friends. Thank you for my enemies. It does say in everything. In everything, give thanks. So everything is everything. There's, there's no caveat there. There's no little asterisk at the bottom of the page. Does not include your enemies and those who honk their horns at you on, as you're driving home after church today. In everything, give thanks. A, a, thankful, a thankful life is a great life to have. It's, we spend a lot of our time saying, God, get me out of here, and I'll be so thankful if you get me out of here. Get me out of this relationship. Get me out of this job. Get me out of this city. Get me out of every, wherever I happen to be in, and I will be the best Christian ever. And the Lord says, no, the will of God is that you learn to give thanks in everything. Everything. Nothing. Nothing is by chance in the Christian life. God has you where you are supposed to be at this time in your life. God gave you the body that you're supposed to have. Give thanks. He didn't make a mistake. Don't try to change what God is doing inside of your life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, listen to this, verse 3 to 7. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, I mean his body, in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. You see, the will of God is clear. This is the point I'm trying to make is, you don't have to search for the will of God. It's right here. You search in a sense in the Bibles. You study the scriptures. It is clearly revealed. You don't, it's not a needle in the haystack, the will of God. There's a common will. You can't find it apart from studying the word of God. You have to be a person of the book. You have to be in the Bible. You cannot live your Christian life on emotion. You can't live it on feelings. You can't live it on anything else. You have to get into the word of God to know what the will of God is for you, the common will of God, which is common to everybody in this and all other churches. And then you have to trust the Holy Spirit for the anointing, the power, the ability that God gives to be the person that he says that we're supposed to be. God, I, I can't give thanks in all things. And you can suddenly think of 15 things you can't give thanks for. But the Lord says, let me teach you. Let me empower you. As David said, it is written of me. It is written of me in the scroll of the book. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God. And your law is within my heart. I don't know how. I can't tell you the number of times over the years that, that I was reading the Bible and said, God, I don't know how to do this. I remember when I first read in Ephesians 5, it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I blurted out. I said, oh, yeah, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> I was talking to the apostle Paul. He said, you weren't even married. If you don't play the game, you shouldn't be making the rules for everybody else. <laughs> but I said, God, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to show me because I'm naturally selfish. I'm not inclined to be given for others, God. And you say I'm to be given for my wife as Christ has given 
for the church. Oh, Lord, that's such a tall order. And the Lord said, spoke to my heart and said, for you it is. For me, it's not a tall order at all. If you will let me, I will teach you how. First of all, though, you have to want. You have to want what's written in the Word. You have to drop all the excuses for why you're not what I've called you to be. And let me change you from the inside out. Now, that's the general will of God, which leads us now to the specific will of God. The specific will of God is that which I am uniquely called for his purposes. It's, it's something that God has given me to do in his kingdom. It's, it's maybe different from you because, you know, you know, in the scripture, it says there's all kinds of different callings and operations within the body of Christ. But the specific will of God won't come my way, in my opinion, until I have embraced the general will of God, or the common will of God, until I, I'm a, a man that wants the will of God, that wants the word of God to be enacted and alive in my life. And as I begin to walk, the best I know, as David said, the best I know with his word entrenched in my heart, then the specific calling of God will come my way. Luke chapter 22, and I want you to see this because this is where it's really going to come to the fore. In Luke chapter 22, we see Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He knew what he was called to do. There was never any doubt in his mind. He knew it from the time that he was a young boy. But at about the time, the specific will of God for his life, the specific will of his father was, was coming into, into view. In Luke chapter 22, in verse 41, it says, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We don't want to think of Jesus Christ as having a will of his own, but he did. You see, he was not only fully God, he was fully man. The Bible says he was tested in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And so here he is at the, at the, at the very moment now where the, the specific will of God for his life is about to be fulfilled. And he's praying and he says, oh, Father, if it's possible, take this from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And as I look at that, I wonder, there's a my will in Jesus' prayer. We always just assume that he just it was a hop, skip, and jump right to the cross and into the tomb. But it wasn't. He had a will. The human side of him had a will. I don't know what that was. I mean, I could conjecture his will is obviously not to suffer, to be separated for any, any space of time from his father. They'd never been separated from all of eternity. And to suffer the wrath of God the Father and to, to suffer physical pain and to the crucifixion, the rejection of man. And is it possible? I'm only throwing it out to you that he, he just wanted to live a, a normal life for a season. There was a my will in his prayer, just as there's a my will in my prayer sometimes. God, I, I don't know if I, I want to do this. Then in verse 47, it says, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. So as he's praying in Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. Oh, Father, if it's possible, take this, this cup from As he's praying, he doesn't have to seek the will of God at this point because the will of God, the specific will of God is coming his way. It's a crowd led by a man called Judas. And if you can hear it today, I don't know if you can, but if you can, Judas was in the will of God as well. He was chosen by God 
to betray the Son of God. Scripture bears witness to that. Now, he's in hell today. I, I understand that. But he was selected because of the crookedness inside of him to do the thing that he did. And so the point is, as Jesus is praying, not my will but thine be done, the will of God, the specific will of God is coming towards him. The, what I'm trying to say is you don't have to find the specific will of God. It will come your way. The battle you and I are going to fight is very similar to Christ. Remember, he said, if anyone will be my disciple, let him or her take up his, deny himself, take up your cross, and follow me. So we will fight the same fight. The battle he was fighting is when the specific will of God came and embraced him that he wouldn't push it away. Remember, Judas came with the crowd, and how did Judas come? He embraced him and kissed him. Jesus could have easily pushed away the will of God at that point and say, no, I'm not doing this. The battle he had to fight was to allow the will of God to embrace him. You see, the specific will of God might not be your first choice, might not even be your 10th choice. I thank God that he has planted in many of our hearts the willingness to obey him, the willingness to do his will. I want it said of me, behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is written within my heart. God Almighty, would you give me the grace, would you give all of us the grace to obey you? all the days of our lives. Now, let me conclude with just this story where Jesus said to the people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He didn't, he didn't say that to them to condemn them. There was something in his heart that he was about to convey. You, you know, it might seem hard, a harsh statement. He's asking them to do all these things that are impossible to do apart from the inner strength that God gives. But then he says, don't call me Lord if you're not willing to do the things which I say. But then he gives the reason. He said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon the rock. And you and I are living in a days of floods and streams now. We're living in a season of upheaval. We're living at a time in this world where there's a, a Christ revulsion, in a sense, and the revulsion for the people of God that's rising up all over the world now. If there's anything in my heart that tells me we are near the coming of Christ, that does. You shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. He warned his disciples. He told us that these days were coming. But he said, whoever wants to do my will, whoever hears the things that I'm saying, whoever turns to me in a sense for the, for the strength that only I can give, they're building a house that when the floods come and the winds come and, and all of hell comes against their house, their house is going to stand because they have founded it upon the rock of truth. <laughs> Jesus Christ wants you to stand wants you to be as the Apostle Paul who said, having done all to stand, not overthrown by the adversities in life, but you've learned to give thanks in all things, not, not taken down by the cursing and criticizing of the enemies of the people of God because you've learned to pray and to bless those who curse and criticize you. You have embraced the will of God. It is written of me, I, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is written within my heart. 
Oh God, give us the sense to begin to obey the things that we know so that when things come against us that we can't defeat in our own strength, the strength of God will already have found a residence inside of each of our lives. David the psalmist said, I was sinking and the Lord heard my cry and he lifted me out of the miry clay and he set me upon a rock. That's what he's speaking about here. And put a new song into my heart. He says, many shall see it and many shall fear and many shall trust in the Lord. A song of stability, a song that's in the heart of those who know where we're going. We know who God is. We understand his power. We know what he's done and we know what he can do in the future. Lord, don't let me live according to my own will now. Because every one of us has to face it, not my will, but thine be done. You've been listening to Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. For more information and resources to help you in your walk in Christ, log on to tsc.nyc. That's tsc.nyc. Be sure to be with us next week for A Call to the Nation with Carter Conlon.